Chapter 4 of The Outdoor Girls at the Hostess House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Outdoor Girls at the Hostess House by Laura Lee Hope. Mrs. Sanderson's Story. Tears were not only in her eyes now, but running down her wrinkled old face, and the girls, with the tears of real pity in their own eyes, crowded closer about her. Would it help, Betty suggested gently, if you told us about it? The old lady drew her gaze from the window and let it rest on the sweet, sympathetic young face, and she nodded slowly. I guess maybe it would, she agreed, taking a handkerchief from the pocket of her dress and wiping her eyes. You see... I never have told anybody for years and years, and if it hadn't been for this war, I suppose I should have gone right on, not telling anybody for the rest of my life. Of course, the Yates and Baldwins and all the folks that lived around us knew it, so there was no use telling them. Her voice trailed off, and her eyes sought the window with its vista of parade ground and low, roughly built barracks buildings. The girls looked at her. Never in their lives, they thought, had they been so thoroughly interested in anything as they were in the secret sorrow of this gentle old lady, the sorrow that brought the strange cloud of unhappiness every time she mentioned this son of hers who had run away. He must have been a pretty ungrateful sort, thought Molly resentfully, to have run away from a mother who loved him like that. Once more the old lady drew her eyes from the window and fixed them on the circle of eager young faces. I suppose young things like you couldn't be expected to understand, she went on, and yet perhaps you'll be interested more than other folks count on your having met so many young boys. Oh, we are interested, they cried in chorus, at which the old woman's face lighted up, and she went on with more cheerfulness. Well, to begin with, she said, we lived way at the other end of the world. Danestown, it was called, and my husband, better man never breathed, died when my little boy was only four years old. I wasn't so young anymore, for Willie was the youngest. The others had all died when they was babies. And Willie's pa and me was getting along in years when he came to us. The dearest, sweetest, prettiest baby you ever set your eyes on. Well, we had managed to save some little money, though. T'wasn't over much at best. And with me working on the farm weekdays and Sundays, we managed to get along pretty well. And I was saving pennies. Here the old voice trembled and nearly broke, so that it was some minutes before the speaker could go on. The girls tried hard to think of something to say, but as everything that came to them sounded flat and inappropriate, they kept a sympathetic silence, which was perhaps the best they could have done after all. As I was saying, the old voice continued after a while, I was squeezing every little penny I could from the bare necessities to lay aside for the boy. You see, it had been his father's wish that Willie should be given the chance neither of us had ever had to get some schooling and have his chance in the world. I was hoping that by the time the boy grew up, I might maybe have enough to send him to college. Of course, she added, with an air of apologizing for a weakness that went straight to the girls' hearts. They was only dreams. But I don't see as there was any harm in them, 
seeing as I always kept them to myself and never told anybody about them. Leastways, no one but Willie. Sometimes on a winter night, when the snow was falling outside and the wind was howling round the house, I used to draw Willie up to the big, open fireplace we had in the kitchen and tell him about his pa and how he had always wished for Willie to be a fine, big man. And Willie, he'd listen with those big, earnest eyes. Oh, his such beautiful eyes my Willie had. Again, the voice broke and trailed into silence, while the girls sat and waited as before, only with a stronger pity in their hearts for this faithful little old woman who had loved so well and lost. And then the voice continued, more softly and dreamily than before. My little boy would reach up and pat my cheek, just like his father used to do, and seems like I can hear his voice now, just as plain as I did all those long, long years ago. Ma, he'd say, drawing a little in his cunning way, just don't you worry. I'll do all those things, just like Pa said, and then we'll go and live in a big house, and you won't have to work so hard anymore. Just be happy. And then he'd take my hand that was coarse and rough from working in the field and rub his soft little cheek against it and look at me and just smile. There was a little sob from the spot where Amy was sitting cross-legged on the floor while the other girls were frankly and openly crying, not even noticing it. He, he must have been a darling, cried Betty unsteadily. He was, answered the old lady simply. It wasn't very long after that he ran away, and I suppose, again, her eyes sought the parade ground. If I was to meet him now, I maybe wouldn't know him. You see, I'd still be looking for my little brown-eyed, yellow-haired Willie boy. But what made him run away? asked Molly, rubbing her eyes furiously with a handkerchief. I shouldn't have thought. Neither would I, the strange little woman interrupted abruptly. If he hadn't had such a high spirit, he never would. But, well, seem like I'm getting ahead of my story. You see, some of the neighbor's children was a pretty wild lot, and they always had a grudge against my boy because he wouldn't join them in all their escapades. You see, Willie took a lot after his father. He used to just like to sit and dream and read books you thought a little fellow like him couldn't understand at all. He was just 12 when he ran away. And of course, these other boys, they didn't like him because he was different, and they was always laying the blame for all their pranks on him. But my Willie, it didn't bother him much. He used to tell me that as long as he knew he didn't do it, and I knew it, what other folks thought wasn't worth worrying about. Just his pa all over. Only I remember one time, the bent old form straightened up proudly and the bright old eyes gleamed when the other boys started pushing things too far and begun calling my boy names. No names that a boy with any pride in him would stand for. I heard them. They was just around the back of the house and I came to the door with my mat up to the boiling point, but what I saw made me stop right short and wait for what I knew was going to happen. Willie, he was sitting on a log by the barn just wrapped up in a new book he'd found, and it was some time before, just what those ragamuffins was saying seeped in. When it did, 
was when I came to the door boiling with rage. Very quiet, but with a sort of bulldog set to that chin of his, just like his pa, he closed his book and laid it down beside him. I'll be asking you, he said, drawing very marked and facing the bully of the crowd that was about two or three years older than he was. I'll be asking you to say what you've been saying all over again. The bully did with trimmings, and Willie listened without turning a hair till he got all through. Now, he says more quiet than ever, I can see him now, with his big eyes blazing black out of his white face and his little hands that seemed to me scarce more than a baby's clenched tight at his side. Now, I guess, I got to lick you. And he did. He beat him? cried Molly excitedly. Oh, weren't you proud? I guess I was, answered the little old woman, her eyes snapping with the memory. That was the day my boy showed what was in him, and after that, the other boys never called him any more names. But of course, she added, while the old cloud erased the glow from her face, that didn't keep the boys from waiting to get even. Well, then came the awful day when Abner Conway's barn burned, and Abner himself came over to accuse my Willie of having started the fire, bringing with him two or three of the boys who had tried to call Willie names to swear they'd seen him do it. Of course, Willie denied it, and I backed him up by saying, and there never was truer word spoken, that Willie was with me before and at the time the barn took fire. But it didn't do any good. Abner was raging because it meant considerable loss to him and so much blame had been laid at Willie's door by the other boys that he declared this time he was going to have him punished. I'll have the law on him, he shouted, rampaging round my kitchen like a wild animal. I'll show that boy of yours if he can go round setting folks' barns on fire and not get come up with it. I'll give him a taste of what it feels like to be behind bars. It's time something was done, and by Jerry, I'm the one to do it. And without another word, he slammed out with those grinning imps that was making all the trouble following at his heels. Well, there isn't very much more to tell. Here she paused. The animation left her face, and she looked pitifully old and weary. Betty reached over and patted her hand, and finally she resumed her story. Abner kept his word and brought the sheriff around that same afternoon, but they couldn't find Willie. He was gone. He'd left a note for me, full of love but saying that he couldn't bear to bring disgrace to me, and so he'd gone away. When he'd done what his pa wanted him to, he said, he'd come back, and then we could live in the big house and be happy. And from that day to this, I've never heard a word from my little boy. Oh, cried Betty pityingly. What a terrible thing. I should think he could have written. But maybe he did, and his letters never reached you. That old Abner must have been a beast, cried Molly, clenching her hands belligerently. And those boys, wouldn't I like to put them behind the bars? You see, the old lady went on tonelessly, it was only a little while after Willie ran away that they found out that Tramp started the fire. Of course, Abner was sorry then, but it was too late. My boy was gone. But you'll find him yet, cried Betty, hopefully, springing to her feet. 
I'm quite sure you will. But the old lady shook her head sadly. I don't think so, my dear, she said slowly. If my willy boy had been alive, I'm sure he would have come to me. He's, he's almost certain to be dead. The girls tried to comfort the little old woman for a few minutes more, then had to hurry away to various duties about the hostess house. Molly, to help a young Polish boy who had been drafted into the army and who was struggling valiantly and conscientiously to learn English, Grace to write a letter for a southern mountain boy who had never learned to read and write, and Amy and Betty to help a timid and somewhat helpless mother through the long hours of waiting before she could have a brief visit with her son during his time of relief from duty. End of chapter 4